age, and the child grew and was weaned, and Abraham made a great what? Feast. He had a party the same day that Isaac was weaned. I want to just talk to you for a little bit about love always celebrates. Love always celebrates. Snuck out in my sermon that I was giving for Nancy Jens yesterday, but I just really feel the Lord on this, and I want to just pray right now that we can take this last time, this last session, this last service, and uh, just wrap up this love series together about celebrating the Lord. Amen, somebody? Amen, somebody? All right. Let's pray. Jesus, we're so grateful for your presence in this house. We're so grateful for the word of the Lord that corrects, guides, leads. Lord Jesus can even teach us ways in in which we can serve you better, Lord. So I'm asking you to bless this word, help it to live in our hearts, help it to be spoken without any human flesh in the way. Let me filter myself out and let your word just speak to us in Jesus' precious name. Everybody said amen. Amen. You may be seated in the house of the Lord. If you do not believe that God loves you unconditionally, you will not believe that God's promises will come to pass in your life. You have to have an understanding that God loves more than anything else because love brings you to a place where you believe God when the promise doesn't look like it's coming to pass. Whenever you're in the middle of the moment, when, whenever you're, you're feeling forsaken, you're feeling like things have not happened the way they should happen, and, and you're even feeling like maybe blaming the Lord, you have to understand that love took him off a throne on high. And put him in this earth in a body. And love meant that he came down and suffered and struggled and knows our griefs and knows our sorrows. He's acquainted with our griefs. Amen? Scripture says. He knows our sorrows. And we we realized that that was the plan from the beginning, that he was going to be the lamb slain from the foundations of the earth. And from that, everything was built forward. In other words, God looked into time and saw that there was going to need to be a sacrifice because of man's disobedience in the garden. And he built everything from that vantage point that Jesus was going to come. He was going to be sacrificed. He was going to give his life. And even in the places where we see Jesus as the God, as God in flesh struggle on the earth, we know that we have a promise. We know that in him we have life. And so I have to understand God through the life of Jesus Christ because God's love was expressed in the person of Jesus Christ. You understand that? That, that Jesus is God's love personified. That's tweetable, I know, but I don't mean it to be like that. I mean, for what, what I mean is Jesus is the only one that has the right to step into our lives and say, I can take care of everything. I can handle your past. I can handle your future. I can handle what's coming tomorrow. I can handle what you did yesterday. If it, does, it doesn't matter if it's an addiction or a pain or a struggle or a bitterness. He can handle it because he's the God that went through, amen, that he, he was the God who hung on that cross between 
heaven and earth and brought God down to man. He brought heaven to earth, amen, by hanging on that tree in between. He was the middleman, and I wish I could preach today a little bit apostolic and maybe even a little bit Pentecostal that had he not died on that tree, had he not hung between heaven and earth, I would never get to heaven. I would never be made right with God, Jehovah. I would never be able to walk back into the presence of Almighty God with a tap on my foot and a, and a joy in my heart knowing that I'm coming to a God Almighty who is God. He is a, he is a powerful God. He is a, he is a wrathful God at times. He has anger, but I don't have to worry about that because I'm coming through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I don't have to worry about my father being angry. I can run to him. I can go to him. I can come boldly to the throne of grace in time of need. Why do I come boldly? Because I'm not coming on my own strength. I'm coming through the blood of Jesus Christ. I'm not coming on my own behavior. I'm coming through the perfect lamb of Jesus Christ. And so I know he's not upset with me. He wants me to run into his presence, to sit on his lap and to enjoy him. So I, I believe in the love of God because I believe it came through Jesus Christ as he died on the cross. Jesus' cross was love forever stamped in time, changed time forever, amen? And I know that I was once dead in trespasses and sins, as the scripture says. I don't even know if we fully understand what that means. Ephesians 2 and 1 says, as for you, you were dead in trespasses and sins. That sin brings death. It doesn't matter what the sin is. It creates death in your life. I, I think some people feel like they can get away with some things. You know, there's small things. We can get away with it. I, just a little bit here, a little bit there. It's not really going to hurt me. It may, it may be wrong, but I can put it under the blood. I can ask Jesus to forgive me, and we're all okay. But whether you know it or not, the wages of sin is death. And there's always going to be something that dies when you have sin in your life. Not only do you lose time that we don't have, amen, because we are, we are all racing toward eternity, but we also lose at the, the ability to be close and connected to God. We lose intimacy with God when sin is in our life. And so we have to understand that it creates its own death in our life. It's not a death like we put somebody in the grave, but it is referenced as death in the sense that we are separated from God. And it gives us more understanding when we begin to read the word and you are dead in trespasses and sins. I was once there. Remember? Remember when you were far from God? Remember whenever you did not have the blessings and the grace of God on your life? Do you remember that? It's sometimes good to take a trip down memory lane and remember how lost we were, how much we needed him, how much we wanted to be in right standing with God but did not quite know how to get there. And someone preached the word of God to us. And when we obeyed it, we felt his grace come on our life. We felt his love come on our life. I'm not talking about having goosebumps. You and I can have goosebumps. We can have great worship services. We can rub our goosebumps together and just be excited about the party that we can have in, in Jesus Christ. Christ in the house of the Lord, but I'm talking about when you get to a point of obedience in God, where you say, I don't want anything that causes death. I want to have a celebration of life. I want to have the love of God in my life, and that love always celebrates. Amen. For where one sinner repents, all of heaven rejoices. The angels rejoice over one sinner that repents. Why? Because they're coming back to life. They're walking back toward the God of life, the source of life. And so we walked in dead trespasses before we met Jesus Christ. 
It even says, in which you formerly walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, amen, of the spirit that now worketh, that is now working in the sons of disobedience in Ephesians. In his letter to the Ephesians church, Paul actually writes about the grace gift of God given to us through his son, Jesus Christ. And we know that that son is referring to the flesh, the body, because of Jesus. They, that, that church was trying to understand and being instructed by Paul that they were not merely bad people made good, but that they were dead people made alive. That there is something that dies in us in sin. And when we come to Jesus Christ, it's brought back to life. That our spirit is like a deflated balloon and that whenever God blows his spirit into us, it, it enlarges us on the inside and we now see things we haven't seen. It began when Adam and Eve sinned. We know the story. You know the story. In the Garden of Eden, they brought, they brought, both, that brought both physical and spiritual death when they had disobeyed God. And the disobedience took God's perfect world and plundered it. And the moment they transgressed God's law, their eyes were opened, yes. But they realized they were naked. They were uncovered. Genesis 3 and 7, you can check it out later. For the next time we see mankind's tasting rebellion, you see all kinds of debauchery and all kinds of evil things, and it repented God that he even made man so that Noah builds an ark and finds grace in the sight of God because men's thoughts were evil continually. That's where our flesh goes. That's where sin leads us to. It doesn't lead us to a place where we are more enlightened. It doesn't lead us to a place where we're more educated. It doesn't lead us to a place where we have greater understanding. It slowly deteriorates society to the point that we have to have a revival and a turning back to God. That is the only thing good for a society that has turned its back on God is for people to say, I'm going to go against the flow. I don't care what it costs me or what it costs my family. I don't care how hard it is or how difficult it may be to swim upstream. I don't care how, how bad our culture gets or how good they, th they say bad things are. I'm still going to stand up and stand for what's right and look to the word. You call it traditional if you want to, but I believe it is the love of God that's still shed in my life that sees things and says no that's wrong and that's right and God God guides me by his love he literally lifts me up and takes me to places in him just because of my love for him before we surrender to the Holy Ghost's urgings though our spirits are dead to the things of God Romans 8 talks about it we have no good within ourselves and no desire to submit to our creator. It's true. It's just the human condition. We're bent away from God. We are dead spiritually and have no way to make ourselves alive. Just as a corpse cannot do anything to, it, to help himself so we cannot solve ourselves solve ourselves and make a move to cleanse our own sins. We cannot even produce the desire to obey God unless his spirit draw us. Amen. And so I'm grateful that God gave me an understanding very young of his love and that I was raised in church, obviously, but it's the moments that I sit there and understand that his love has cleansed me and washed me and brought me out that I can see this story unfolding. 
the thing that God had promised them, the thing that God promised Abraham and, I, and, and Sarah, they decided to help God out. Have you ever seen somebody try to hook up God with his own promises, try to help God out? Like it, God's promised me this, but it's taking too long, so I'm going to try to go ahead and finance that car I can't afford and get that house I can't. You know, that, this, is, this is the human condition. We try to help God out, and we shouldn't. We shouldn't try to push God into what he's already promised. If it's in his promise, it's in his timing, amen? And God will perform it. God will do it. So I'm grateful that we have what we have here. And yesterday I was just kind of standing around looking at all that was going on. And when we put on something like what we did yesterday, a memorial where there's a lot of people here that don't even know how to find the place and even said it's very difficult to find, we understand that. We do, we're the hardest church to find in the city. We get that. But whenever we have all of that happening, it speaks to the growth of the church. It speaks to the fact that we can serve somebody. We can serve a family. We can help people out. We can do what God calls us to do, and that is love people that don't even know how to love God necessarily. People that were leaving here and they were asking questions about, are you going to go do this or are you going to go do that? And I'm stepping into my office because I don't even want to hear what's coming next, but I'm I'm just like, love them while they're here. And that's what Tenny used to always say, Brother Reese, is he said, just, just love people while they're there because love doesn't ask whether you're going to live right tomorrow. Love doesn't ask whether you're going to live right next week. Love doesn't ask, where did you spend all that money frivolously and I'm going to the next story in just a minute love doesn't ask why are you uh, making the mistakes that you're making love just wraps people up in their arms and just uh, I'm so glad that I can hold you I'm so glad that you're here with me I'm so glad that I can show you my love right now in this moment this moment is more important than any of your mistakes that's what God's love says so God's love wraps around people and doesn't say, tell me how good you've been. I know I'm yelling because I like to be emphatic when I'm preaching. You'll just have to take it for what it is because I grew up Pentecostal and sometimes I get red in the face and excited. Okay, check. We got that. Amen. God's good. Glory to God. So we have to know that whenever people are in the moment and whenever people are looking at us eye to eye, the thing we do is not ask them, how good have you been? Are you a Christian? Have you done everything right? Instead, we need to wrap them in God's love because God's love celebrates anybody that's walking toward him. In fact, as I move to my next story, I tell you about the prodigal and the prodigal decided that he wanted all of his living and he went into a far country and spent it riotously on, on harlots and on partying and on different things. And whenever the, the, the son decided, I, I've spent all my money, I have nothing, and he joined himself to a man or to a person of that country and began to feed the swine for the person he decided I'm so hungry I might even eat what the what the pigs are eating that's how hungry he was and he decided I'm gonna go home if I go home at least my servants of my father they have better than I have right now and while he was afar off the scripture says the father was still looking for him and we can sometimes look at people and think can you give me more of this because I feel like I'm yelling more than the microphones working we feel like that when people are afar off 
off, that they need to come further, that they need to make more, re more repentance happen in their life. They need to make more restitution. And instead, what the father did was he got up and he ran to that son. When he saw him afar off, I don't know where your family's at right now. I don't know how close you feel you are to God. But if you feel afar off, if you'll turn your heart to God, if you'll begin to pray for your family that's afar off, the father will run. The father will get up and he will run to them and he will embrace them. You don't even know if they're laying in their bed last night and God is speaking to them because he ran to them. If God wants to care for them, he can get to them anyway. There is nothing that can keep God from getting to them. In fact, I want you to understand that love will celebrate when they turn, not when they get to where you think they need to be. Love will run after them and love will celebrate them. They don't have to be perfect. They don't have to have everything right. No, none of us have everything right if we want to be honest. None of us are perfect. That is the human condition. But when we turn our heart to God and say, God, I need you. God, I want you more. God, I want to be better. I want to do better. He says, that's all I need. My blood covers everything else and he elevates you and he loves you and he starts a party for you in heaven I'm just so thankful that I know which party to go to amen I was growing up in high school I grew up in Alaska and we had kids that were like ah oh, we're gonna start a party we're gonna have a party and I was like man that's that's not so good you know and he's like that's not really good for your life you're taking a lot of risk he's like oh well if I don't make it I'll party in hell I'm like, you, you, wait, wait, what? You'll, you'll party in hell? You know, hell is not a party. And, and it is still real. I know the world doesn't, even some of the church world doesn't believe hell is still real, but it is still real. And they're like, well, we're, we're going to have a party in hell. And, and I'm like, why don't you go to the party that's in heaven? Because that actually is the only place where there really is going to be a party. There's going to be the marriage supper of the Lamb. We're going to gather around the throne. We're going to be excited about the presence of God. There's going to be no more pain and no more sorrow, no more lawyers, no more death. I'll be out of a job as a funeral director, amen. There will be no more need for me in that I will be made redundant the second I step into heaven. Um, forgive me, I, I just apply everything to my personal life, I guess. But I'm so thankful that I know that the truth is that God's promises are real for me and God's promises are real for people who are even afar off. Amen. If they turn their heart to God, love runs to them and celebrates them. But notice that the father in Genesis 15, I'm sorry, in Luke 15, 11 through 24, the story of the prodigal son if you'd put that up there for me, because I'll dig through my Bible for 15 minutes. Actually, I'm there. <laughs> and he said, a certain man had two sons. And here's the other story I wanted to read to you today. And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me my portion, and go and follow goods that falleth to me. I've already kind of gone through this as I was preaching. Many days after, the younger son gathered all together and took his journey into far country, Going to the next, and he had riotous living. And when he had spent all there, he rose a mighty famine in the land and joined himself. And he was in the fields with the swine. 
and he would have fain and filled his belly with the husk of the swine did Eden, and no man gave unto him. And when he came to himself, he said, How many hired servants of my fathers have bread enough? Go next to the next verse. He said, I could go home, and I won't perish from hunger. Amen, somebody? When you come home to God, you will not perish from hunger. God will satisfy your soul. I will arise and go to my father's house and say, My father, I have sinned against heaven and thee and in thy sight, and I am no more worthy to be called thy son. Make me one of thy hired servants. And he arose and he came to his father, but when he was a great way off, his father saw him and had compassion and ran. Everybody say ran. That is the only place in scripture where it shows the father ran. But that is the picture of our father that he runs to us. And fell on his neck and kissed him. Didn't matter how dirty he was. Didn't matter that he smelled like pigs or swine. Didn't matter where he had been. He fell on his neck and kissed him. And the son said unto him, Father, I have sinned against heaven in thy sight. Do we jump backwards? No, he said it again. Go to the next verse. But the father said unto his servants, Bring forth the best robe. Everybody say robe. That's identity. Whenever you change clothes in the Old Testament, you change identity. He said, I don't care what you've been in. I don't care what you've done. Don't even have time to shower and clean him up. He just put a new robe on him. Because when you put the robe on him, it says to all the servants that saw him leave that he's still my son. And no matter what slaves come along in your life, no matter what things you feel like you were a slave to, whenever you run to God, he puts a robe on you immediately and everything you were once a slave to has to be notified that you're his son and you're royalty and no longer subject to anything that you were once addicted to. All right, well, we'll go on. And put it on him and put a ring on his hand. In other words, he's part of the family and shoes on his feet. And bring hither the fatted calf and kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this is, this my son was what? He was dead. Was he really dead? No. But he was gone out of his sight. And to them that was considered dead and is alive again, he was lost and is found. And they began to be merry. They set a party. Now, if you look at the story of Abraham and Sarah whenever Isaac was born, Abraham did not ask his servants to go do it. He actually set the party on himself. But here we see in the story that the father puts on the party whenever we are found. Amen. And I'm so grateful for that. That's what I want to bring to you today is that you are all found in him. That no matter what you feel you lose at times, no matter where you feel like you get confused at times, no matter what pain or hurting or suffering can come through your life to where you feel like the fog of emotion has set in and you can't quite hear from heaven. You can feel lost in those moments, but you're not lost because once he finds you, you can never be lost again. You can be confused, but if you ever go to the Lord when you're in confusion, just begin to pray and say, Lord, 
I need you to clear things up for me. He will make things clear, amen? He will begin to clear away the emotion and clear away the problem, and he'll clear away even the pain and the emotional struggles, and you will step into the sunlight again, and you will see the glory of God, and you will have a party start on the inside because God's doing a work in you like you cannot understand, and you just know that God brought you through it all. You just have to know that it wasn't you that got yourself out. It was his love that brought you through it all. In 1 Corinthians 13, 4 and 8, it gives us the pattern of love. And I want to finish up with this. Love is patient. Love is kind. It does not envy. It does not boast. It is not proud. I believe they have the King James up there. It does not dishonor others. It does not self-seek. It's not angered. It's not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. I want you to just apply this definition of love to your life do you keep records of wrong to others in a relationship i know this might catch you a little bit but let's do some surgery do you are you self-seeking when you say you love somebody else do you love them to care for them or do you have moments where you're self-seeking do you honor others that you say you love are you are you able to keep no record of wrongs. Love does many things. It says it rejoices in truth. That's what love does. Love throws a party when it hears the truth. That's why whenever someone's preaching the truth of the word of God and they're just going through scripture, just lining things out, there's just this something that happens on the inside of you. The Holy Ghost just starts to set off a party because the Holy Spirit in you is saying, I agree with that word because that is truth and I'm a spirit of truth inside of you. And so you can't help it. We, it's not like we get all emotional just because we're emotional people. It's because the Holy Spirit begins to effervesce something inside of us that says, I agree with the truth of what is being preached or what is being taught or whenever you see truth. When you've been in a cloud of, of, of emotional struggle and you come out into that that sunshine of the of the glory of the Lord and, and you see the true way to go, the right way to walk, the, the path you're supposed to take, the Holy Spirit in you sets off and goes, that is the right way. Walk ye therein. That go, go that direction. It will tell you and guide you. Amen, somebody. And it protects you, and you can trust in it. Love trusts, love hopes, love always preserves. The Bible even says that love covers a multitude of sins. Or when we see love, we see that love never fails. And so I was kind of just looking over love in all of the different scriptures, and I don't have time to go through all of them, but I can tell you that Love knows how to celebrate, amen? And so there are times whenever as a pastor I run into conflicts where things are said or things are posted or things are done and, and I know that that may not be necessarily true. And I have to decide, am I going to like that or am I going to love that or am I going to embrace that? And sometimes when there is no understanding it doesn't do me any good to stand and say, do you not know this scripture? I mean, to throw the Bible at somebody does not help them in those moments. But whenever I get the chance to open the conversation about walking toward God, 
and about living in a deeper relationship with him and striving, as the scripture says, striving toward the Lord. There, there is effort that's put into walking with God, to being a better human being, amen? And if we don't ever let that settle into our hearts, then, then we don't have what we understand of God's love. God's love celebrates the progress, the spiritual progress in our lives. That where we, we were found and we were ignorant and to the things of, of darkness. We were maybe even ignorant to the things of God. And we have grown over time, maybe sat in spirit life, maybe sat in Sunday school, maybe your kids brought a lesson home, and you've learned things about God over the years. The Spirit celebrates that discipline. The Spirit celebrates that discipleship in your life. The Spirit celebrates every new step you take. So when you reach out and stretch yourself to take a new step in God, to take a new step in your life, God is going to be there to throw a party for you before you ever get there. He's going to run out ahead of you and set up all the decorations and set up all the things and all the banners and put on the party hat and get the blowers. And when you show up to that new assignment, when you show up to that new destination or that new place that God is calling you to, you'll be like, well, the only thing that's familiar here is the power of God has gone with me. The only thing that I know to do is to praise God. Even even if I have nothing else that I understand, even if I don't even know how things will turn out, when you get there, if it's a move of God, love will be there celebrating that move. Love will be there lifting you up. Love will be there celebrating your next moment, your next level. If it's of God, he will already be there. And he'll have already set up the party. He'll have already cut the cake. And he'll already be celebrating your new glorious grace in him. Amen? That is what God does. And so when we step into our next tomorrow, we don't have to know what tomorrow holds. As long as we're walking by the Spirit, when we get there, we're going to be like, I've been in a party like this before. This is what God does. He makes us at peace even when we're in new places. Amen? And so I'm grateful for the promises that we wait for. I'm grateful for the prodigals that come home. And I'm grateful for the fact that love always celebrates us. Amen? Would you stand with me today? I hope that was helpful to you. I think I'm in the right house with that message. I really believe that that was for somebody today. Because some of you are going to be taking new steps. You're going new places. You're doing new things. And, and you need to know that Jesus is already there. He's already set up the party. Amen. He's already put things out there for you. And he's already going to be there ready to celebrate whenever you see victory in those new areas. Amen. Jesus, I pray victory over somebody's life right now. I pray the new thing in their life that we would know that you're celebrating the love, Lord Jesus, that, that you have for us and that you want good things for your children, that you want good things for us and we celebrate that we have a place in the Father's house. We sang about it in worship service today. We celebrate that we have a place to come home to when we get wayward, when we feel like our, our life has kind of took taken a, a strange turn. We can always just take the merge ramp and get right back on, Lord Jesus, to the plan of God for our life. And I'm thankful that I know that sometimes the road is narrow and sometimes the road is hard, but your love is always out ahead guiding me. Your love is always leading me. That you won't leave me. Your 
your love will not lead me into a place that is too difficult for me to get through. If you have led me there, you will provide. And I know it's cliche, but where God guides, he provides. And I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for it in every life. I've seen it in the lives of those that are here. I've watched as you've guided their life, and I'm thankful for it. But Lord, let us be guided even more into the disciplines of being a disciple of Jesus Christ. Let your love guide us and celebrate us into becoming more like you. Lord God, more like you, Jesus. More holy, more righteous, striving for holiness, striving for righteousness, striving in prayer, striving in Bible reading, striving in Bible teaching, striving in reaching our neighbor, striving in all these things that give life to those that are walking in trespasses and sin, that walk in the dead places. Let us go to them. Let us run out ahead of them and set up a party, Lord God. And then when they run home, let us take them in our arms, put a robe on them that says they're children of the Most High, put a ring on their hand that says they can never be taken out of the family, and put a love around them that always celebrates them. In Jesus' name, help us to lift the miracle above any mistakes. I pray in the name of the Lord. Everybody said amen.